at a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions. We need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a mindful moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment. Hey everyone, I'm Ann Bogle and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 11. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Before we do that, I wanted to make sure you are following What Should I Read Next on Instagram. You can find us there at What Should I Read Next, where you'll find good books, info about the people I'm talking to, peeks behind the scenes, and much more. Today's guest is Meredith Schwartz. Meredith describes herself as a type A INFJ who unapologetically loves lists and is trying desperately and a bit compulsively to hold together all the crazy aspects of her life. There's nothing vanilla about Meredith. She has strong opinions about her reading, which makes for a fabulous conversation. Let's get to it. Meredith, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for coming on. First of all, I'd love to hear a little about your reading life, especially about why you read. I have been reading since, literally since I can remember. My very happiest first memories were that quintessential under the table reading. You know, my parents would be mad because I'd always try to bring a book to the table type of thing. And I, I've just always absolutely loved it. And as I've thought more about why I've loved it my entire life, the the one of the themes for me is that reading is a total escape. And even I, I actually had an anxiety disorder when I was uh, diagnosed when I was seven. And so from the time I was really young, reading could kind of take me out of kind of a busy headspace, if that makes sense. And so um, my whole life, reading has been one of those things that I could go to and feel a lot better really, really quickly. So that's um, that's been a real theme for me. That's so interesting. When you were seven, did you realize that that was one of the things that was driving you to books? I don't think I realized it right at the start, but I definitely think by the time I was in my early teens, I recognized that when I was feeling my most anxious, that that was something that I could do to feel a lot better really quickly. So I think I was I was still pretty young when I realized that. Uh-huh. What kind of books were you escaping to as a child? My very first books Actually, one of the first books that my grandmother was a a very big um, force in my reading life. And she would always have me read books that were way more than what you would think you would give a child at whatever age Mm -hmm. I was. But she kept saying, you know, you don't have to read books that that are for seven or eight year olds. So when I was eight, I read Gone with the Wind. Oh, gosh. (laughs) And um, and so and it was one of those things that, you know, she hands me this big, gigantic book. And uh-huh. says, don't worry, you're going to love it. Uh-huh. And you can totally do this. And don't be intimidated. 
And I feel like that was a real watershed moment for me as a reader, but also as a developing young woman, just this sense of like, this seems hard, this seems beyond you, but you're totally capable of this. Let's just see what happens. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the first books that I really, really remember reading. But um, from the time I was young, you know, Nancy Drew, mysteries have always been something that I've loved. Mm -hmm. So, and then I went through the... um, I don't know if you remember the Sweet Dreams romances. No. No, I was I would, busy reading Sweet Valley High. Yeah. Well, they were very similar. It was kind of like Sweet Valley High mystery or kind of like mystery romances. Mm-hmm. And um, I, my mom would dump me off at the library. Dump me off sounds terrible, but <laughs> she'd, she'd take me to the library, which is something I loved. And then she'd say, okay, but you can only get as many books as can fit into this bag. And it was like a tote bag. And so she'd pick me up three hours later and I would have filled that tote bag with books, all kinds, you know, romances, mysteries, all of that. And then um, that would be my reading for a week. Mm -hmm. So that's how quickly I was running through books. I would just, I was just reading constantly. When I look back on it, it almost feels a little compulsive when I think back, because I was really reading pretty constantly that I wasn't doing anything else. But yeah, that's, I loved being told, just fill this bag with books. Mm -hmm. Bag full of possibilities. Yes. Well, given that history, I can't wait to hear what you're reading these days. Okay. So here's how this works. You're going to tell me three books you love, one book you hate and what you've been reading lately. And then we'll talk about what you should read next. So let's start with your favorites. Tell me three books you love. Okay. So the first book that I love is The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. Mm-hmm. And this uh, now, was... I've never read that one. So I'd love to hear oh. why you love it. But also give those like me who haven't braved the thousand plus pages um, a general idea of what we would be in for. Okay. So and, and let me say that the entire reason, although I, 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 I did get my degree in English, I actually never read this book as a student. But Somehow during that period of time, I, it came into my possession. And several years later, I was in my mid thirties and I was doing some declutter. I'm kind of a compulsive declutterer and I was doing some decluttering and going through my books and I was getting ready to, to donate this book. And it's so big and huge. I think it's, yeah, it's over, it's a thousand thirty, thousand eighty pages. And I, and it was one of those books that I was like, who the heck is going to read this? It, this is a monster. Mm-hmm. And I just, on the fly, opened it up and started reading the first couple of paragraphs. And I was like, wait, I'm actually interested in what's happening here. And more than that, it was very readable in a way that I didn't expect that it was going to be. So it's a, I mean, to call it sweeping is really an understatement. This book is huge and it's huge in its, in its content, because it's basically the story of uh, Edmund Dantes, who I have to confess, I sort of fell in love with from from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he's just a really, really good guy, young, a good, earnest young guy who has some really unfortunate things happen to him because of some really bad guys, really nasty, bad guys. And then I don't know how much I want to tell because there's just so much good stuff there that you have to, I really, I really hope that you'll read it because Mm -hmm. it is, it is an amazing story of revenge and betrayal and abject, you know, poverty and immense wealth and romance and 
disguises and oh it's just it's absolutely glittering it's amazing and I could not put it down I mean even with not being able to put it down by then I was a mom and (laughs) had a a job so Mm -hmm. it took me it took me a while to get through it but it is absolutely my most my most favorite story that's really the way I think of it because it was incredibly cinematic when I was reading Mm -hmm. it all right tell me book two Okay, book two is actually a series of books, but if we need to narrow it down. So book the, the series that I absolutely love is by Louise Penny, mm-hmm. and it's the Armand Gamache series of, of books and uh, starts with Still Life. That's the first one. And I think you're familiar with these books. I think I've heard you talk about these. You've heard me gush about them. I love the series, yeah. It's, and I just read, I, I think I read the whole series last year. Oh, did you read it all? Mm-hmm. At once? Like I started with book one and I just didn't stop. And now I'm anxiously awaiting the next installment coming this August. Comes out August thirtieth, uh-huh. right? And <laughs> Not I, like we're counting down. Well, and and so a couple things. There's no question that this series, and you know, some series aren't like this, but in my mind, there's no series that there there's no question this series needs to be read in order because it really does follow a group of people. And if you just jump in halfway through, you'd be missing so much context. Uh, but each book, I think, is is absolutely amazing. And and I love these books so much that, in fact, because she's, an, and I love Louise Penny and I follow her on social media, she's a fantastic person in addition to being a great writer. She puts these out once a year, thank heaven, hopefully that will continue. <laughs> and my husband actually takes me away for three days of uninterrupted reading when the book comes out. That's how much I look forward to it. It's literally like Christmas for me. So we go to Half Moon Bay here in California and we read. He gives me the space to read for three straight days to to finish the book. So I love this series. It's amazing. It's an amazing mystery series. It's an amazing study in human nature. The characters you love and you root for, but then they're also really real people with flaws and foibles and problems. And then the way that she... Some of her prose, some of her turns of phrase will just give me chills. And that's really rare in the mystery genre, I find, that the prose is really beautiful. And so, um, yeah, I highly recommend the the entire series. In fact, we almost, I love Armand Gamache, the lead character, so much that um, if my husband had allowed us, I might have named my four-year-old Armand. But Armand Schwartz would have been a little strange so we didn't we didn't do that, but that's how much <laughs> I love this character. Okay, so if we promise to read the series in order, what's your favorite book of the series? Oh, that's a really, really good question. Um, because I feel like I, ha- I equivocate a little when I recommend these. Um, I really like book one, but I think it's a much slower pace than the rest of the series. Books two and three, the plots are a little like the actual murder the plot revolves around is a little bit like icky. And uh, I feel like it really hits the stride with book four. Right. And book four is a fatal grace. No, that's book two or book three. Right. So I don't remember. I think book four is the one where you really launch into the big, the large scale plot. So still life, I I would have to say still life is right up there as, as being, you know, one of my most favorites, but then I would agree that as you get to the second half with, um, 
Okay, book you know, four the, is a rule against murder. Okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm 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 equivocating myself here because it's like <laughs> cho- I'm choosing my favorite child. I'm gonna go with the brutal telling as being my absolute favorite, but I don't want anyone to jump in at the brutal telling mm-hmm. because that would just be doing the series a disservice, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But probably if you forced me to choose my my very favorite one, that would be my favorite. I love the mystery in it. And there's so much incredible character development mm-hmm. in that in that one. I like it. Okay, tell me book three. Okay, my third book is actually nonfiction. And I read quite a bit of nonfiction. I read um, a lot of business biographies, but then I also read a lot of um, I, I, productivity books. And um, one of my favorite authors is Gretchen Rubin. And so her latest, Better Than Before, is my very favorite of all of hers. But I've liked The Happiness Project and Happier at Home. Um, So I'm a big fan. Better Than Before is about habits and how we form our habits. And it's incredibly practical and useful. And it's also very readable. In fact, when I got to the end of it, I remarked out loud to my husband, it's really rare that I'm really sad that a nonfiction book is over. But I actually felt kind of sad because Mm -hmm. I just I found the book so useful. And the construct that she has in it about how we each have a kind of a a tendency about how we we form personalities. And and then she goes into a lot of detail about the four kinds of tendencies. And that really explained a lot about, you know, for me about myself. Mm -hmm. But then which one are you? So I'm an upholder. Uh Um, Oh, the rare 2%. Okay. I'm definitely an upholder. And uh, my daughter is a very strong upholder. And that was really elucidating for me. And then, um, you know, I found that understanding my other children by their habit formation type was also really, um, it it really gave me a lot of aha moments with my kids and ways that... um, I could see she, she gives a lot of advice about how you can um, form habits based on your tendency. And it's, it's just incredibly useful and a really, really readable book. I, I absolutely love Better Than Before. I really love that Gretchen Rubin is on the same list as the Count of Monte Cristo, because I remember her saying that she categorically, categorically will not read books with wrongful imprisonments and unjust accusations. And like she wouldn't come near that one. But you've you've made her. So (laughs) right, right, with only gamash to buffer. Exactly. And I I have to say, I have a, right. I do have a very eclectic, I read a lot of different stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I would stand by my choices as those being up there on the same list. Okay. I love it. Now tell me what you hate. Okay. So one book that I absolutely hated was The Circle by Dave Eggers, which I think... Mm -hmm came out not too long ago. I read it as a part of a book club and it was very readable in that I wanted to finish the book. And Uh so I didn't hate it because it was boring or long. I didn't like it because I could not stand the lead character, the main character. I could not stand her. I could not root for her. I, by the end of the book, I actually was hoping bad things would happen to her. (laughs) I really disliked every character in this book. There wasn't 
anyone to root for. And so, um, and also I felt like Dave Eggers was really pushing his own thoughts about technology and oh yeah now privacy. that was a book with a message so tell people and I don't know if you were supposed to like her I don't think you were probably actually but that doesn't mean that you are going to like the book even if that was his intention so for people who don't know tell us a little bit about the circle so the circle is a book about a woman and actually her name is escaping me I think I blocked it out it's May May okay mm-hmm. and she starts to work at a company that is very loosely disguised as google-esque mm-hmm. and it you know she she works at this company and she's really drawn in by all the amazing benefits of working there and the excitement of working there and the kind of drink the kool-aid aspect of things but then it quickly becomes clear that there's something more menacing afoot and um the question is will she will she or won't she you know drink the Kool-Aid all the way basically and um if, you know for me again if i can't find anyone in a story to root for i just lose my momentum and again i did finish this book because mm-hmm. i just really wanted to know what was going to happen mm-hmm. so it's well written in that way and it's if you're interested in kind of the inner workings of a Facebook or Google type of behemoth company and the Silicon Valley type of, you know, you know, what happens in those kinds of companies as imagined by Dave Eggers, then it's very interesting. And there were a lot of people in the book club who really, really liked it. But again, for me, I just kept coming back to the fact that everyone in the book was either incredibly unlikable or incredibly stupid. (laughs) And I have very little patience for Mm -hmm. just abject stupidity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, that, yeah, that, I, that, that book, I was, I was really railing by the end of it. Yeah, I hear you. I just read that last year and I think it came out in 2013, which means he would have written it a year or two before that. And I was just surprised how much it, aged like the technology had shifted so much and Eggers is trying to make this big statement about the role of technology in our lives and is it is it dangerous how much we're um sacrificing to technology um and it just felt if I wondered if I would have liked it more and if it would have felt fresher if I had read it when it first came out that's a real it's a good point because it there were a couple places where I was like hmm it seems like he's making this a big deal and yet this is right now, this isn't a big deal. So that's a good point. However, that is not going to make you like the characters. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or the author who I did feel was incredibly pushy with his agenda. I kind of want to be allowed to form my own opinions. And I felt Mm -hmm. he just didn't give me any room to do that. Yeah. I'm not a fan of anything that smacks of heavy handedness. Exactly. Okay. So tell us what you're reading now. Okay. So now I'm reading a couple different things Mm because I, I do definitely read, multiple books at a time. Um, right now I'm reading The Cuckoo's Calling by Robert Ooh. Galbraith. Right. That and, that was already top of brain for what I thought you would like. So, but and, I'm, I'm kind of glad you've already discovered it. What? Do, how are you liking it? I definitely, I definitely like it. And you, you'd be right on that this would be a great one to recommend to me. I loved, of course, who doesn't love J.K. Rowling? I loved The Casual Vacancy. Uh, I love her writing style mm-hmm. and I I love this. I plan on reading the series. I'm, I'm only about halfway through this book, but I'm incredibly interested. 
Um, and I actually started reading it based on your recommendation from one of your earlier podcasts um, because I just, you know, I knew that it would be completely up my alley. Oh, fun. So, Good. I'm glad you saw yourself in that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Actually, there's been, to, truth be told, there's been a couple of several books, every single podcast that I have been super into either for me or my husband. So you're becoming kind of, a, you know, a habit for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that can be dangerous to one's to-be-read list, especially if it's already long. It's Exactly. My, my wish list on Amazon is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's hard. I want to read every book. Anybody lists as a favorite on the show. And it's, yeah, my, my stack is burgeoning. Right. So, um, right. So The Cuckoo's Calling. I'm also in the middle of The Physician by Noah Gordon. Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with that one. Tell us a little bit. Oh, really? So this one reminds me a lot. It's another big, big book. It's probably only about 800 pages, but it's big. Um, and it reminds me a lot of Did, Ken hold Follett's. On. Did you just say only 800 pages? Well, I was comparing it to The Count of okay. Monte Cristo. Okay. So that know. would tell me a lot about your reading habits. If <laughs> I do. I like big books. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, it's, so it reminds me a lot of Ken Follett's uh, Pillars of the Earth series, and it's a it's a historical fiction, and I believe it's set in the 13th century, but I could be wrong about that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it you know again really readable, sweeping story, a lead main character that you can really love, um, and and root for and hope for and be sad with and. Um, so he, th this character is trying to become a physician at a time where that was almost unheard of. There were very, very few people who were practicing anything close to what we consider medicine anywhere in the world. So he has to travel across the world to begin to get his training and meets with a lot of challenges on his way there and on his way back and in the, the, the patients that he that he um, is trying to help. And of course, the, you know, the reader, the modern reader can, can recognize certain things that are happening with people physically. And, and you're, you're kind of like, ah, he just needs some penicillin, you know, but, you know, so, but of course, back then they don't have any mm -hmm. of this and they can't, this is back even before autopsies, you know, were happening that could really shed so much light on the inner workings of the human body. And so it's kind of right at the cusp of when they're learning, hey, when people die, maybe we should maybe we should use that as an opportunity to find out what happened and, and the inner workings of, of the human body. And so that's a controversy. And so but it's it's a really, really readable piece of historical fiction. I'm just halfway through. I keep getting a little bit stalled for reasons that I can't understand because when I'm reading the book, I really like it. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those books that I don't feel it calling back to me. It's it's readable, but it's not what I would call a page turner, mm -hmm. at least for me right now. Mm -hmm. But it's I, good. Yeah. I've read books like that where I never want to pick them up, but I'm always glad when I put in 20 pages. And, you know, by the end, like I read The Brothers K last summer and I felt that way. Like I never wanted it to be the one book of the six I was reading at the right. time that I wanted to sit down with. But I thought it was so good. And I gave it four or maybe even five stars. Like it was a fantastic book, but I never actually wanted to be reading it. I'm not, right. I'm not sure what that means exactly. I mean, it was, it was hard. The, the subject matter was, uh, it's about Vietnam and sexual abuse and family struggles. So, I mean, oh. there was a lot of weighty stuff there. 
And I do find for me that that is one of the things that will slow me down. In fact, I tend to actually not pick up books with certain topics in them that I know will really weigh on me because whatever I'm reading it, it's almost like it kind of travels with me even when I'm not reading. So for example, I I don't read books um, about, you know, young children being kidnapped and kind of this, that story of like Mm -hmm. what happened Mm -hmm. because that's a topic that's, you know, I'm a mom and that's a topic that would be tough for any mom. And so I tend to shy away from books that I know are going to really emotionally weigh me down on, on certain topics that really push buttons for me. And so that, and, and, but this book doesn't really do that. And yet it is part of this, you know, a, a, you know, a book that doesn't call to me, but I love it when I pick it up Mm -hmm. and read it. And I do, that is something that happens for me. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure what that's about either. Interesting. Okay. Before I choose books for you, is there anything you want to be different in your reading life? So, yeah, I mean, what I was tempted to say about this was I'd love more time to read. But the reality is I, I know the season in my life right now. Um, I have a big job and I have you know a lot of kids and a, a husband and family. So it's a season of my life that I know I'm not doing as much reading as other seasons. Mm-hmm. And I, I know enough now to know that that's not always going to be the way that it is. So mm-hmm. instead of saying that, which is the first thing that popped in my mm-hmm. mind, I'm going to say that what I really want touching on what we just talked about is I really want to read a couple more what I would term page turners. I've read a lot of really good books in the last year or two, but very few that I just like, I just want to take the day off to read it. That kind of the Hunger Games pops into, especially the first book of the Hunger Games Mm -hmm. series, that kind of book where you just cannot do anything but read. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the Girl on the Train was another book that fell into that category for oh, me. For yeah, like, for you, right? <laughs> I didn't exactly. like that one. Uh-huh. Yeah, that right, and and that, and I can see why you didn't like it because that was right on the cusp of having no characters you could root for. Um, but uh, but yeah, that kind of I would love to find more books that that are calling to me mm-hmm. that are saying you need to stop everything and read right now. So mm-hmm. that's okay. so that's strong narrative I, drive. Yes, got it. Okay. Ooh, challenging. I like it. Meredith, this is great material to work with. And I think, I think I know what direction to go in. I can't wait to hear what you think about my picks for you right after the break. Okay. Welcome back. What I'm noticing about your favorites is they're all adventures. Like even your nonfiction pick by Gretchen Rubin is, feels like an adventure of self-discovery when you're reading it. And your favorites all share that thread of discovery. Like a major theme of all three works is uncovering inner motivations, like what's really going on in people's hearts and minds, the action that's really happening beneath the surface. So is that on base? Oh, that just gave me chills. It's on base because that's complete. That resonates with me. And I don't know how much you know about Myers-Briggs, but I'm an INFJ Uh and authenticity and what's beneath what true motives are, that is my driving force. So I never picked out that theme in my reading, but that just gave me chills that that was so right on. Interesting. I wonder if NFs like likable characters more than most. That's very interesting. Mm, Never thought about that. I'm an INFP, so I'm tracking with you. Okay. Okay. With that in mind, here are my picks. First, have you read any Deborah Crombie? 
I have. Yes. Love her series. Oh, good. Okay. So to all the listeners and bookworms, I would definitely recommend her for fans of the Inspector Gamache series. I just, they resemble each other so much, but not to the extent that you feel like you've already read them. But if you need a fix before the next Louise Penny book comes out, she's a good one to scratch your itch. That's absolutely right, because their books tend to seesaw back and forth. So like every six months, one of the two of them puts a book out. So you're you're totally right. I love Mm -hmm. that series. Mm -hmm. What about The Likeness by Tana French? I have not read it. Okay, we've got your book one. Okay, so Tana French is similar to Louise Penny in that they write European murder mysteries. Um, Tana French's are set in in Dublin specifically, and... The series aren't set up exactly the same way, but they're similar. So Louise Penny tracks the same cast of characters through her 11 now so far novels. Tana French has five, but her six is coming out this fall and I can't wait. Um, She rotates among her cast of characters. So a character who might have been a bit player in book one takes the lead in book two and she cycles through different characters that way. Like a detective daughter um, is in the spotlight in book five. So you meet the same people, but you are suddenly seeing the world. You see the action through a different character's eyes every time. So this is the second book in the series. And the reason I'm recommending this over the first is it's my personal favorite of the book she's written so far. And book one is it's in the woods and it's really, it's pretty gruesome. Like I might not have read that if I had to do it over again. So this is the Dublin murder squad. Um, the, there's some racy scenes. There is a lot of language. Like she might use more F-bombs than any other character I read, but I do really like a good murder mystery. So I will, and it seems appropriate um, given what she, the subject matter she deals with. So I can roll with it. But if readers, you know, if that's a big thing for you, these are not your books. So here's what happens in this one. A detective, her name is Cassie Maddox, is pulled off her current beat and sent in to investigate a murder. And when she arrives at the scene, she finds that the victim looks just like her. And even more creepy, this victim was using an alias that Cassie, the detective, had used in a previous case. And so you kind of have to suspend disbelief a little, like... Really? Could that really be a thing? So Tana French addresses that through the story about the theory that like everybody has their twin, like living out there somewhere like you and I would too. So the victim was a student and her boss talks her into trying to crack the case by pretending to be her, explaining to her friends that she survived this attempted murder. And so she moves into this house at, it might be, it can't be at Oxford because that's in England, but it's, I imagine it being like Oxford at this old university in Ireland. And it's this strangely intimate, isolated setting with the five of them. And Cassie begins to get to know them in spite of herself. And her loyalties get a little complicated. And like, I could not put this down. So this is a classic psychological thriller. It is light on the blood compared to some of Tana French's other novels. Like, most of the suspense happens like in your head. Like, what's what's she going to do? What's going to happen? It keeps you guessing till the end. I think for Tana French's novels, because there are some that I just do not like, like that are the wrong blend of uh, the murder and the people and who's effective. Like, I just don't want to go there. But the likeness is like her purest psychological thriller. And I think that might be your... Um, 
interior and exterior adventure, your page turner, your like, what on earth is going on in everybody's minds and what are they going to do? What do you think? I think it sounds absolutely perfect. I'm totally getting that one. Ooh, but I do have to tell you. So she's good. She does not attempt to be as emotionally aware as Louise Penny. Okay. Yeah. Just so you, just so you know, she's not quite that. uh, With Louise Penny, sometimes I feel like I'm reading like, deep psychological um musings about people's inner lives and i just i don't get that with tana french right it's more right more about the mystery more about the the action and i i can appreciate both okay well if you're gonna i i think i think you may enjoy that okay book two is nonfiction. it is ballad of the whiskey robber by julian rubenstein what do you know about this i don't know anything about it okay here's the first thing you need to know This book has, no joke, one of the ugliest covers I have ever laid eyes on. Like, it is, it's bad. It's so bad that even though a trusted friend put, like, the actual physical paperback book straight from she'd read it into my hands and told me to read it, it took me many months, and it might actually have been a few years before I actually did. Because every time I looked at it, I thought, there is no way I'm going to like that book. (laughs) So, So can you, if you can put that behind you and, like, get to the story... Do you think you can do that? See, I think I should know better than to judge a book by its cover. But I still, when you see this one, you'll understand. Right. No, I, I totally get what you're saying because I have I have read books that, that that's been an issue or have not read books that that's been an issue. But because you're recommending it, I'm a thousand percent going to be able to get past it. Okay. Still, you're, you're going to need a nudge. Okay. So about the actual story and not its packaging. So The Whiskey Robber of the title is Attila Ambrose. He is a gentleman thief in Budapest in the 90s who couldn't quite make ends meet. So, you know, he does what you do and you start robbing banks to supplement his income. And um, all the while he's playing hockey for the biggest hockey team in Budapest. And this is like, the truth is stranger than fiction. I think the author wrote for Outside Magazine for years. i I think. Um, but he is, he, he tells a good story. This is totally one of those nonfiction narratives that reads like a novel. Um, totally brazen, unbelievable crime spree, like completely incompetent um, set of police and detectives on the case. Like it's, it's almost too incompetent to be true. So it's a real life adventure story. Cause I can see you're liking your adventures, but imagine it being more like Steve Martin's The Three Amigos than a true crime novel even though it's a completely true story how does that sound that sounds great that sounds like one of those books that i would not have happened upon otherwise but i'll be really really glad that i did okay i'd be curious to hear what you think okay book three is another novel it is morningside heights by cheryl mendelson what do you know i don't know anything about this one Okay, so Mendelssohn is best known for her book on housekeeping called Home Comforts, The Art and Science of Keeping House. Um, it's ju- Oh, you'd like it. It's gigantic. Was- it's like 1,200 pages. It might even be more. It, it really is. It's, it's about housekeeping, and it is surprisingly fascinating. It's a total cult classic. Um, and that one, that, that book actually is familiar to me, and uh-huh. I, I can absolutely read a book about housekeeping just because I'm, I'm completely compulsive about it. So, so yeah, so you've got me so far with the author. Well, but also this is an author who can make laundry sound interesting because of the way she writes. So 
That's really saying something, I think. It is. It is. So she's best known for that. That's her claim to fame. But she's also written a fictional trilogy about the intersecting lives of a group of friends and neighbors in a small neighborhood on Manhattan's Upper West Side. The area is called, actually in real life, Morningside Heights. That's where she gets her title from. It's an actual neighborhood. She didn't invent that name for her novel. And I don't know if you're familiar with Manhattan. It's the area roughly surrounding Columbia University. So if you do like, if you're a New York person, like that'll be an extra check in the box. But even before I'd been to that part of Manhattan, I still, I love this series. I, there are three books and I just plowed straight through them. The, and it's really because of the characters, like the people are interesting, they're diverse, their lives are very different from mine, but relatable, which made it just interesting reading to escape, like you said, into another world for however long it takes you to read, you know, nine, 900 pages of fiction. Um, there are lots of musicians and psychologists and attorneys, and I found just their lives. There's a chess master, like just the way they lived was especially interesting. But what I really love is her narrative voice because, you know, her style made ironing sound interesting. And here, her voice, it's gently old fashioned, like pleasantly leisurely, not boring. Like think modern Jane Austen or Anthony Trollope. Mm-hmm. So her setup is basically put interesting characters in interesting settings and see what happens next. And it works. This is not an adventure story, but you know, nobody's like car chasing around Manhattan, but each of the characters has their own personal, like interior journey where they have to discover what kind of person they really are and what they really want out of life and what that means for their lives and for their relationships. So I think we're in your wheelhouse with this one. What do you think? This this sounds so good. And also I love a series or a trilogy. I love when I'm reading a book, I love knowing there's more to come. Oh, it's like money in the bank. Exactly. Right. This sounds excellent. Oh man, these are so good. Well, what do you think you'll read next? I'm completely torn out. I was definitely going to say the likeness just because that's so my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. But now I'm thinking I might start with the first in the Morningside Heights trilogy. I can't wait to hear what you read and what you think. Oh, man, I will let you know. I'm so excited. Okay. Thanks so much for talking books with me today. Thank you. I loved it. Hey, readers. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Meredith. If you have an idea for what Meredith should read next, go to the show notes page at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 11 and leave a comment there. That's where you'll also find a list of all the books we discussed in today's episode. You can find Meredith at Penelope Loves Lists, a very fun blog and resource for the type A woman. You can also find her on Instagram at Penelope Loves Lists. Before we go, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at What Should I Read Next? If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Ann Vogel. That is Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Readers, that's it for this episode. As Reiner Maria Rilke says, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. Happy reading, everyone.